Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Thoughts and Coffee today. Um, I am sitting here with a very special guest, the Green Party candidate for President of the United States, Howie Hawkins. Howie, thank you for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. So, um, first question I have is uh, just for people who may not know the Green Party. Um, so, could you just say a few of the main policies that the Green Party is for and just why you're running? Yeah, I, my campaign, we started out campaigning against three life or death issues. One is the climate meltdown. And we've been campaigning, it's been our signature issue in the 2010s for a Green New Deal to get to zero to negative greenhouse gas emissions on 100% clean energy in a decade by 2030. Of course, the Democrats took that slogan, but they watered down the content. So we're here to push for the full strength Green New Deal because this is an existential threat. Mm -hmm. And then working class people in particular, our life expectancies are going down in this country because we're coming out of 50 years of stagnant wages and growing economic inequality. And people are dying deaths of despair is what the sociologists call it. You know, people had more hopes in their, for their lives and, and the possibilities have been dashed. So people uh, are forced to choose between rent and going to the doctor or they're coping with alcohol and drug abuse, uh, or suicide and, and gun violence. That's another reason why life expectancies are going down. So we have an economic bill of rights to end poverty and this economic despair, including a job guarantee, a guaranteed income above poverty, and Medicare for all. And then there's the third issue that none of the major party presidential candidates talked about, and that's this new nuclear arms race. The Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists has moved their doomsday clock the closest it's ever been to midnight because we're getting out of these treaties. The last bilateral treaty between the United States and Russia concerning nuclear weapons expires next February 5th. That concerns strategic arms. So we're calling for peace initiatives, a 75% cut in military spending, getting out of these endless wars, pledging no first use of nuclear weapons, disarming to a minimum credible deterrent, and then on the basis of those tension-reducing initiatives going to the other nuclear powers and saying, we want complete and mutual nu nuclear disarmament, and going there with the support of the 122 non-nuclear nations that agreed three, weeks, uh, three years ago this week to the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. So we'll go there with world public opinion. And now we got two more life or death issues. The COVID pandemic, and we're on pace to have a quarter million deaths by the election. And Trump had just gave up. He lost. COVID won. He's a loser. And Biden is AWOL. Where is he? You know, who he, he can command the White House press corps. He lives within commuter distance. He could be pounding away when we need a test, contact tracing, quarantine program to suppress the virus, like every other organized society and the whole Pacific Rim in Europe is done. Yeah, I find instead, that interesting, yeah. Because, uh, oh, sorry, continue. Well, I'm just going to say, instead, the two governing parties are presiding over a failed state. Mm -hmm. And just the other fifth life or death issue is this centuries-old pandemic of racism, which people of color have known about the whole time, but now a lot of white people are upset because they saw it in living color on their TV screens. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the most hopeful thing. A lot of people came out that, weren't out against racism before and yeah we can build upon that and, and get some real changes
Mm-hmm. Yeah, the issue with George Floyd definitely woke a lot of people up, I think. Because, um, like, you had a lot of people who didn't really think much about police brutality, and then they saw this guy kneeling on someone's neck, and, like, even, like, people right-wing, left-wing, everyone was like, okay, you don't accidentally kneel on someone's neck for eight minutes, and now, like, everyone's pretty much woken up about it, you know? Um, and uh, I uh, the, actually, the main reason I have actually pledged my support to the Green Party in this coming general election is because of what you said earlier about Medicare for all. How you have people choosing, oh, do I pay the rent or do I go to the doctor? And just like how, just how terrible that is given that we're supposed to be, you know, the greatest country in the world. You know what I mean? And like, we have 45,000 people dying every year because they don't have access to healthcare. So like, I was a, I was a, a Bernie Sanders voter in this past primary and um, a lot of those issues you named are main voting issues for myself personally. And that's why I've chosen Green Party for this election, because with Joe Biden, we're not going to get Medicare for all. You know, with Joe Biden, we're not going to get a living wage. Like you said, wages have been stagnant since the 70s. Like it's, you know, none of these things are going to happen. We're still going to have private prisons. We're still going to have marijuana be illegal. We're still going to have the drug war ruining people's lives. And like, you know, I just think. A lot of, and this kind of goes into my second question, actually, um, with um, how do you convince progressive Democrats to vote for you over Biden? Well, if you're a progressive Democrat, you probably supported Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. because he supported Medicare for all. Yeah, he was the only one with a serious Green New Deal, and I wrote an article about that in the fall. Bernie's wasn't as uh, aggressive as ours, but his was serious. And mm-hmm. every single other Democrat was not serious. Yeah. I mean, I have to say Trump calls uh, climate change a hoax, but the Democrats act as, as, as if it's a hoax, mm-hmm. with the exception of Bernie during the primaries. Um, so if you're for those things, you got to vote for those things. Mm-hmm. If you vote for Biden, nobody's going to know you're for Medicare for all or a full strength Green New Deal. You get lost in the sauce. Yeah. You voted for Biden. You vote for the Green Party, you're voting for Medicare for All and a full-strength Green New Deal and tuition-free public college and a wealth tax and all the good things that Bernie was for, plus more things that we want to do. Mm-hmm. So make your vote count. Don't yeah. waste it. You waste your vote when you vote for the lesser evil because you disappear as a progressive. Yeah. Supporting the corporate establishment. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's, that's my argument to those folks. And... That's the second biggest bucket of votes we're going for. The biggest bucket is the 100 million people that didn't come out and vote in 2016. Mm -hmm. They didn't like either Trump or Clinton. And those are disproportionately working class people, people of color and young people. Mm -hmm. And we think we have a message that speaks to those folks. And the longer term goal of this campaign and the Green Party is to build a mass based party. So those people know us personally. So they trust us. We're in their communities with local chapters. And they can get involved, or at least if they got issues, they can come talk to us. Yeah, I I find the two-party system just, it really leaves a lot of people out. Like you said, there was many people who just didn't vote at all because it was Trump and Clinton, and they were both just poor candidates. And then you had, you know, the Bernie Sanders wing in 2016, and they said, oh, screw you, I'm voting for Trump. And you had, like, maybe, I think it was 20% of them voted for Trump. And, like, you have the DNC basically by nominating these terrible candidates, just helping someone like Trump rise to power and be elected. 
Um, but my next question actually was kind of a follow-up um, to this about how do you feel or what would you say to Democrats who are voting for Joe Biden simply because he's not Trump, even though they may know that Joe Biden is bad, um, but they're just doing it because he's not Trump. Trump is toast. Trump can't win. He's a loser. He's lost this election already. He's going to be on the ballot in the fall with 250,000 COVID deaths on his hands. And people know that. And the economy is in this COVID crash. It'll be in a depressed situation. And that was his thing. He said, you know, I'm, I'm, I got the greatest economy ever, etc." And he was coasting on what you know, the rebound from the Great Recession that started under the Obama administration. Well, that wasn't even a legitimate claim, but that has exploded in his face. And all he can do is play the victim. Poor little Donnie Trump, you know. COVID got him. It's unfair. You know, grow up. This guy is a loser. I think people see it. He's the emperor that's got no clothes. And finally, people are looking over and saying, yeah, this guy is naked. Because... COVID is affecting even Trump voters. You know, their own people starting to get sick. He's running around like Typhoid Mary, making his own staff and supporters sick at these super spreader rallies. The guy is a menace. So I would just say to people, don't worry about it. Trump is toast. The question is, where do we go from here? And where Biden wants to take us is back to the status quo, mm -hmm. which created the conditions under which Trump got elected. Trump told people a bunch of lies. Clinton looked like the status quo. And a lot of people said, well, let's try something else. And, uh, you know, Donald Trump's a failed businessman, but they bought the reality TV show where he played a successful businessman. Yeah. But I think, you know, that game is up. That hustle is over. And I think the people see that. And what did I see a poll today? Monmouth has Biden up uh, like 52 to 39 percent. Trump is toast. Don't worry about it. Yeah. Let's, talk, let's think about where we go from here. Okay, so you think there's no chance that he could get reelected? Only if he's allowed to rig the election. And that's the problem in this pandemic. He's resisting mail-in ballots. That's another thing that Biden ought to be convening the White House press corps and demanding universal mail-in ballot option so everybody can vote. And then those of us who are progressives or Greens – we need to sign up to be poll workers because one of the problems now is most poll workers are old folks and they don't want to go out in this pandemic and staff the polls. So we got to make sure there are enough polling places open so that in communities, particularly communities of color, and although the universities probably won't convene, you know, student, uh, you know, polling places, those are the ones where they shut down polling places and people got to stand in line six, seven, eight hours sometimes to vote. Um, so we got to make sure that the only way Trump can win is if he rigs the election. And we got to make sure that doesn't happen. Okay. All right. Um, so my next question is, um, if the Green Party gets to 5%, do you see that breaking the two-party system? Well, it'll be a benchmark. What that does is enable us to get a campaign grant in the 2024 general election. The way the FEC rules are if you get 25% or more of the popular vote in a presidential election, the next election cycle, you're entitled to the full public campaign grant for the fall election. And that's over $100 million 
but the major parties don't take it because they can get a lot more money from the rich folks. So they just ignore it. The last one to take it was McCain against Obama in 2008. They're way beyond that. But for us, it would be big. Now, between 5 and 25%, you're defined as, as a mi minor party, and you get a prorated version, uh, portion of that $100 million. So 5% is 20% of 25%. So that's worth about $20 million to the Green Party to run our general election campaign for president in 2024. That would be significant. Mm -hmm. I don't think it would break up the two-party system, but it would certainly give us resources where we could make a much bigger effort and splash in that election. Yeah, gotcha. So does 5% mean you guys would be included in the debates? No. The debates, there's a thing called the Commission on Presidential Debates. Sounds like a government agency. In fact, it's a private corporation controlled by the two major parties. Really? Yeah, they set it uh, up in 1988 to keep the competition out. Prior to that, the League of Women Voters was sponsoring as a civic organization, a nonpartisan civic organization, the presidential debates. But in that year, Bush the first and Dukakis were making demands on the League that the League said were unacceptable. So they just, the two major parties just went off on their own and got the network news to broadcast debates without the league. And then they set up this commission on presidential debates to institutionalize that. So our appeal is to the news organizations, do your job, cover the whole story. There are two other parties that will have enough ballot lines to win the electoral college, the Greens and the Libertarians. We should be in a four-way debate with the Democratic and Republican tickets. And civic organizations should support that. And we're, we're appealing to them to not let the two major parties who have a duopoly set the agenda for debates. They should be invited to debates set up by nonpartisan organizations. They shouldn't rig it just for their own advantage. Yeah. So that's, that's where we're at with debates. 5% uh, in, in the general election has nothing to do with whether the commission on presidential debates is going to let you in. They do have a criterion. They say, you have to poll it over 15% in three mm. polls that they pick. Yeah. So of course, if we were, you know, getting into that territory, they'd, they'd pick the polls where we didn't get the 15%. Yeah. Yeah. No, they would use some sleaze. I know you, they would use sleazy tactics to keep you guys out because like, I mean, we saw it with uh, Tulsi Gabbard, you know, after she sank Kamala Harris, like it was just like, she got, they changed the rules to keep her from debating. And she was also one of the more progressives on the stage, you know, but they knew they could weed her out without really anybody having like an upcry about it. But like, they couldn't do that to someone as big as like Bernie Sanders. But yeah, the corporate they, media did that to Dennis Kucinich. I think it was 2004. They had objective criteria, Kucinich met him, and then they said, well, never nevertheless, mind. they're not included. <laughs> Yeah, no, they, yeah, that's sleazy. But um, my uh, next question is, uh, will America's future be different um, with Trump or Biden's leadership for another four years? Or do you see them both being just equally or not equally negative? They're not the same. They're not equal. Trump is a total disaster. I mean, Trump doesn't even know what he's doing. He says he knows everything about everything and he knows nothing about anything that matters. He's got incompetent people, cronies. He's corrupt as hell. 
He's getting rid of U.S. attorneys and inspectors general that threaten his legal standing or those of his cronies. I mean, this is just unbelievably corrupt. So yeah, Trump is terrible. But we have life or death issues that I described earlier, and Biden has no solutions for them. We're running out of time on the climate crisis. This nuclear arms race with all the saber rattling going on against Russia and China, uh, you know, that could annihilate us in a minute. These are issues that need solutions and real solutions can't wait. So we can't wait to elect Biden and then four years from now. Yeah. Four years from now, man, the, the, international, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change said we got to reduce carbon emissions by 45% by 2030. And that's a conservative institution. Their reports have to be approved by the petrostates. You know, Trump's America, Saudi Arabia, Putin's Russia. And so they're always slow in predicting how fast this crisis is unfolding. And even there, you know, the Democrats just came out with a climate plan. They said, well, we'll, we'll go for 37% by 2030 instead of 45%. Of course, the Greens say 100%. So that's what the actual carbon budget said the best climate science to put out there, say rich countries like the United States got to do if we're going to avoid the most catastrophic consequences of climate change. Yeah. That's not just, you know, heat waves and stronger storms. That's mass species extinctions and ecosystem collapse, which means agricultural collapse. And their climate scientists have projected what's going to happen to agriculture. By 2100, under a business as usual scenario, 90% of our agricultural capacity will collapse which means 90% of humanity's survival will be at stake. I mean, that's what we're facing. It's apocalyptic. We can't afford Joe Biden any more than we can afford Donald Trump. We need real alternatives. Yeah. So they're not equally negative, but they're both negative, basically. Basically, right. Okay. Right yeah. yeah. Um, I don't I'm. I wasn't thrilled about Joe Biden at all. And being someone who is more progressive, um, it's nice knowing that there is a progressive third party. Because um, I heard a lot of people went Green Party in 2016 for a Jill Stein because they didn't like Hillary Clinton. So uh, after Bernie dropped out, I began looking into you guys. And, uh, you know, I looked at the platform. I watched some interviews that you were in. And um, I liked it all. Like, it was it was all stuff that I was on board with. And, you know, you said earlier about it just being a throwaway vote to vote. Um let's serve the two evils. And I agree. I, I say vote your conscience, you know, and, and I, I could, I can't justify a vote for Biden. I mean, with just all the negative, I mean, we've talked about a few of them, um, but just like all the negative things about him, you know, and I don't understand how you have the vote blue, no matter who crowd, you know, that's like up for it. But my response to them is kind of like what you just said, you know, uh, we don't have time to wait you know, on these issues that like, we need to do something about it now. And uh, I, I just wish more people saw it that way, honestly. And uh, Well, but, people, people need to think it's not just your conscience. It's not about just feeling good. It's about your power. You're giving your power away. If you give your vote to Biden, who doesn't support what you support, your power is to take that vote away from Biden and give it to the Greens. You know, when I ran for governor in 2014, I got 5% of the vote against Andrew Cuomo, who wanted to run up the vote, get more than his father, Mario Cuomo, ever got, more than he got when he was first elected in 2010, to lay the basis for a presidential run. And he got less. 
And I'm sitting over here with 5% of the vote. And he had been a social conservative, fiscal conservative. That was his brand. He had to rebrand himself as a pragmatic progressive. And he adopted planks in our platform that we were campaigning on that he had never supported. He was opposed to a ban on fracking, a $15 minimum wage, paid family leave, and tuition-free public college. Now, the fourth thing he actually didn't do, he said he did it. He has this scholarship called the Excelsior Scholarship, which really doesn't, it tops off uh, what you get from Pell Grants and everything else. And only two or 3% of the state and city university people can take advantage of it. So it's not what he built it to be, but he felt compelled to make that gesture. And that's how your vote will leverage change. Even if you don't win the office, they got to take account of you. And, you know, I would argue with the progressive Democrats, we're your closest friends. You act like we're your worst enemies because the votes we get give you leverage inside the Democratic Party. When you're fighting the corporate Democrats, and you can point to us and say, hey, corporate Democrats, you don't adopt Medicare for all, the Greens are going to take all our positions because that's what the people want. That's the kind of argument they can make. So I think it's an issue of power, not just conscience. It's yeah. You know, don't give your power away by giving your vote away to somebody that doesn't support what you do. Yeah, you have like, I think there's like the two, it's kind of a split with Democrats that are progressive, kind of like you have the end that's, okay, I'm going to vote third party. So like they vote Green Party because that's, you know, the progressive third party. But then you have the other end who is like, oh, we need to occupy the party with um, progressives. So I think it's like just kind of a split, you know, and not a lot of them are agreeing because you have a lot of like the, a lot of them that are going vote blue no matter who crowd. But I think I read something, it was a survey. I think it was something like 45%. It was something like that of people who voted for Bernie Sanders in the primary are going green party in the general election. And I feel like that number's only going up because like, I feel like, especially with 2016 and then now, like with elections both being just terrible, um, I think that's giving third parties a lot more attention and like, okay, well, the two party system sucks. So let's change it, you know? And I feel like that's getting a lot more attention now than it ever would. Well, I hope so. If we get half of what Bernie got, I, I don't know the numbers for 2020, but I think he got 13 million votes when he ran in 2016. We got half of those. That would be, well, 7 million votes is, would get us to 5%. And then you add in the Greens and the other people we attract. You know, if, if the Sanders people do that, we hit 5%. Then we got, a, we got some money to run on in 2024. We've reached an important threshold. We're recognized by the FEC as the third party in the country, mm -hmm. even though it's a minor party status. You know, that would mean a lot. And that would change the whole debate because, okay, Ralph Nader is the best we've ever done. He got 2.7% in 2000. We basically doubled that and got over 5%. Was Ralph Nader Green Party? Yes, in 2000. Really? I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. I was born in 2001, so okay. I'm, a new, I'm a new voter. <laughs> he was our candidate in 96 and 2000. 96 was, he didn't raise any money or campaign, but he let us use his name on the ballots. And we got him on the ballot in over 30 states. Then he ran all out in 2000, and we were on over 40 states. Mm -hmm. And that put us on the national map. Yeah, Ralph is, uh, uh, he's always been a small-eye independent. 
but you know, I've been talking to him during this campaign, uh, asking him for his advice. Yeah. And uh, you know, he's still out there plugging away. I think he's about 80 years old now, but we've got more energy than most 30 year olds. Really? Yeah, he's <laughs> he's very active. Oh yeah, that's that's great to. I mean, yeah, that's great to hear. But I didn't know he was Green Party. That's interesting. Um, and I just had one final question for you. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, my final question was: If there's one thing you could say to new young progressive voters, what would it be? Uh, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And you have to realize you're going to lose, and you're going to lose, and you're going to lose until you win. And you should study history and understand that movements for the kinds of things you're fighting for often start out as vilified minorities. You know, I experienced that in any Vietnam War movement, 65, 66, 67. I mean, we were really attacked. And then public opinion started swinging in 68. And by, you know, a couple of years later, the majority of people were against that war. And I've been through a lot of movements where that happened. So study history. And probably the most important thing is be part of an organization. You can't do this just sitting online and sending out messages. You got to be face to face with the coronavirus, socially distanced with a mask, but you need to be talking to people um, to develop yourself. So your ideas are criticized. You develop yourself as a speaker, as a thinker. Uh, you should read stuff together and discuss it because we got to be smart to beat the establishment because they're at it 24 seven and they can hire people to work for them. We're all volunteers and we can only do a vote part-time because we got to, you know, pay the bills. So we got to have our collective people power and we need to be smart. And that means being part of an organization where you're always, your thinking is always evolving as you listen to other people and, you know, discussion, you got to have that back and forth. So study history, be part of an organization and realize that you don't win right away, but over time you can win. Uh, if you've got a righteous position and you think you can persuade other people of it, you will in time. You know, I was really looking forward to talking to you. Um, just, yeah, no, I mean, I'm happy to vote for you this fall. Where are you? What state? Ohio. Yeah, Ohio, man, we got a problem. The Green Party, there's not very well organized and they got a tough petition. We got a legal case. We lost the first round. We're appealing to try to get the requirements. So, Ohio's going to be a real challenge to get on the ballot, but we're going to yeah. do our best. So hopefully you won't have to write me and you'll, I'll be on the ballot. Yeah, no, I hope you are. But if you're not, I'm writing you in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one of the few States where we got a real challenge. Ohio, yeah. Indiana, Arizona are probably the toughest right now. What's the, uh, what's the lawsuit? Like what's the appeal? Uh, well, in this COVID environment, it's against public health advice to go out and ask for physical signatures. You know, it's against the social distancing. Oh. So we're saying uh, we've been on a ballot many election cycles, just put us on. And then we could, in some states, they let us do electronic signatures. In some states, they post, they uh, extended the deadline to get the signatures, allowed electronic, and reduced the total number we need, given the circumstances. So, you know, some judge said... Um, we've got a lot of lawsuits out there about this. I think the one in Ohio said uh, the COVID shouldn't be a problem. Go out and get your signatures. Mm -hmm. the, the, the judge said the COVID should not be a problem. Go out and oh. get your signatures. 
Okay. Which sounds like something Donald Trump would say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know that our governor here, Mike DeWine, he's been really hard on COVID. Like, he's been, like, like he shut down the economy instantly, and, like, there was a lot that went down here. Like, it was, it was pretty uh, – so, I mean, I was a, uh, I just graduated high school too. And, uh, um, total last total end of my senior year was just like cut, like gone. I had to do online school. It was pretty, it, it wasn't fun. I didn't enjoy it, <laughs> but, um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he was, uh, him and Hogan in Maryland were the Republican governors that actually did something for a while, mm-hmm. but they seemed to have lost their nerve. Yeah. He was pretty instant, like with, you know, what he was like doing. And uh, yeah, I mean, the way I see it is like with COVID, I mean, Japan had less than a thousand deaths and all they did was wear masks. Like they didn't shut down the economy. And I, if just America had people that weren't like stupid and was like, oh, the mask suppresses my freedom. Like you have those people, you know, if we didn't have people like that, you know, this could be all be over right by now if everyone just wore a mask. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you're supposed to pull over when an ambulance is coming. Nobody says, that's a violation of my freedom to keep riding down the street. <laughs> that's a good, that's a good comparison. I, that's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's this, we got this uh, hyper-individualistic ideology that makes people stupid. They don't understand, like, you know, when they walk to wherever they are and think they did it all themselves, they don't realize that that sidewalk was paid for collectively by the society through the taxes. Yeah. Like the, I hate socialism all, crowd doesn't really understand that the roads are socialist and like the police is that socialist, the fire department socialist, like they, they don't get it. <laughs> yeah, it seems some, like. some things are inherently public and collective. And if you're going to pull your weight in society, you pay your taxes and you recognize that these whiners from the libertarian side, don't they want to be free riders mm-hmm. they don't even understand and you know in a way you know they're the ones that claim the most about welfare leeches but they're the biggest leeches around because they don't even recognize how they are being held up by the rest of us yeah i feel like a lot of people just don't understand that no system just a hundred percent is perfect like you have the libertarian crowd who wants like a hundred percent capitalism and like communism that's obviously not a good idea but like you know having certain things that are socialist and certain things that are capitalist, like that's a good idea. And that's what all the, like, like what Bernie Sanders pointed to with like Norway, Sweden, Denmark, all these countries, like, you know, with universe, like Medicare is the most popular form of healthcare in the country, <laughs> you know? So like, it's just, I feel like a yeah. lot of people just need to like look into it, honestly. Cause like the media doesn't report about it. Well, as a socialist, I, I get a little frustrated that if it's public, it's socialist and if it's private, it's capitalist. Because what, at least in Marxian socialism, socialism is about the mode of production and how surplus, you know, after you, you know, put in your labor, you get more out than you put in mm-hmm. when that's sold. And who gets that surplus? You know, in slavery, it's the slave owner. In feudalism, it's the landlord. In capitalism, it's the capitalist. In socialism, it's the workers who produced it. And that's, that's you know, a mode of production. It's... So you can have private sector institutions that are socialist, like cooperatives. So nobody's profiting from that. Everybody's getting out of it in proportion to how much they contributed, whether it's a worker or a consumer cooperative. And then in the public sector, 
you know, that surplus is disposed of by the whole community. So uh, on the other hand, you can have, you know, a private capitalist corporation, or you can have a state bureaucracy that exploits workers mm-hmm. and appropriates that surplus. And some people call that state capitalism. So um, our, our level of discourse about socialism and capitalism in this country is really degraded because nobody has educated anybody about what socialism is. Yeah. You know, it's social ownership and democratic administration, a major means of production. Yeah. It's like a boogeyman word on like, in like our society at this point, like well, it's like a scare word. Until about the last five years used to stop conversations. Now it starts them. Yeah. Yeah. So it's so, an opportunity to educate people. Yeah. So uh, do you care if I use this kind of end conversation that we had? Because I know that like, I was going to cut it a while ago, but I, it just kept recording. So do you care if I use that also in the, no, okay. Go, go right All, ahead. Right. Go all right. Um, so sorry for going a little over time, by the way. Um, it's all right. It's all right. But uh, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. And I'm excited to vote for you this fall. And uh, yeah, I hope for the best for you guys. I hope to see, you know, more support, more people becoming educated. Um, so yeah, no, I appreciate you coming on. It's great talking to you. All right. Well, have a good day and I look forward or we'll look for your link and uh, we'll get it out. All right. Awesome. All right. Thank you. All right. Take care.